At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Overflow, from Him, through us, for all, as we explore Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth. Together, we'll focus our attention on the gifts of God and see that we're not meant to keep His blessings to ourselves, but to live as vessels of His abounding grace. Amen. Well, we're in our second week of our series called Overflow. Um, what we're talking about is we're diving into chapters 8 through 9 of the book of 2 Corinthians. And what we're looking at is biblical giving and the idea of how biblical giving is based in the gospel. That biblical giving is based in the good news of Jesus Christ and that we've been transformed and we've been saved from death into life. And it is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that has saved us and changed our lives, that the joy of Christ through giving can bubble inside of us to where it results in an overflow that truly affects everything around us and causes us to want to generously give to others because Christ has so graciously given to us. So as we continue that study, will you please open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 through 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 through 9. Uh, it's near the back of your Bible there. If you go past Romans, it's right after that. First, and 2 Corinthians. Just to remind you for just a minute, uh, as we've looked at the book of 2 Corinthians, I encourage you to be reading it throughout the week. So if you could please be doing that so you can see the context of what's going on. Chapters 1 through 7, the Apostle Paul, is, he's telling and he's defending his apostleship uh, that he truly is a man of Christ because there were those who were coming as false teachers that were challenging him as a man of God because there was suffering that faced his life. And so what he's saying is, is that actually suffering is part of the experience of a Christian. It's a huge part, and it actually grows us to be more like Jesus. If we truly understand who Jesus was, Isaiah 53 tells us that he was the suffering servant. Truly, the greatest act that Christ did on earth was dying on a cross and then being resurrected from the grave. It truly, in that act, in that act of suffering was when God moved mightily and powerfully to save sinners who could never save themselves. Amen. And so as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we can remember and we can know that we are given grace by God in order that we may give generously in grace towards others. You know, this idea of giving, uh, when we think about it, if you ever did like a Google search to search top ways to grow in your faith, I mean, we Google search basically everything. If you can't find it on Google, you can probably learn it on YouTube somehow. And so you Google, how do I grow in my spiritual faith? You'd see a lot of different things. You'd see prayer, which is so vitally important. You'd see study of the scripture, which is so vitally important. It's the very words of life. You'd see memorization of scripture. We're called the high God's word in our heart that we might not sin against God. Yeah, one of the things that's not that common to see, or one of the things we don't discuss that much about truly growing in Christ and truly living out the, 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 the joyous, beautiful, abundant life that Christ has given us is the beautiful gift that we've been given of generosity and giving towards others. 
It's really not something that we talk about all that much. It's really not something uh, that we really dive into. And I think sometimes it's misrepresented. I think sometimes when giving is talked about, it really is more of a guilt type thing. And in our text today, we're going to see that the Apostle Paul is going to be talking to the Corinthian church and encourage them in giving because of the gospel and because that they can get true joy and that they can truly bless others and affirm their their family in Christ. And so we're going to look at that today and we're going to see that the Apostle Paul calls the church to excel in giving. You know, for me, one of the ways I can grasp this idea of giving and how it kind of takes process within our lives is working out. So I really enjoy working out. Before Christ saved me, I was a personal trainer. It's just kind of the world I lived in. And if you've ever worked out before, then you would understand that when you start working out, working out is hard. It is not easy. It's something that you have to force yourself to do. You have to go in there. You have to get in there every day and put in work. You get sore. It's painful and it's very difficult. But as you continue to to work out and get in more shape, you start to get this joy in working out. And then it just becomes this obsession to you because you see what's happening within your body and you see what what is changing within yourself and these endorphins are, are, are coming through your body and you absolutely love working out then. I think that's how it can be with giving. You start by giving a little bit and you're like, okay, this hurts a little bit. This is difficult. I know I'm called to do this by God, and I'm called to do it with a generous and a cheerful heart, but my heart sometimes doesn't feel all that cheerful. But then as you do it more, and you start to see God just moving in your life, and God just changing your attitude, and giving you supernatural joy, you start to spring up into this idea of of joy within yourself that makes you want to give more and give more because you see what God is doing through it. Truly, God works in our lives through giving. And specifically, what we're talking about today is giving to the relief of the saints of God. Giving to the relief of those who are suffering, who are Christians. Now, I want to say at the front, this message is for Christians. This idea of generous giving, all of it is based in being forgiven of your sins and in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, today I want you to give your life to Jesus. I want you to surrender your life to him, to realize, like Pastor Brent said, that you can never earn salvation, but it is only through the gift of grace that you can be saved. Turn to him, confess your sins to him, and give your life to him today, and then we can talk more about what it is to grow in Christ. But for those of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, we are called to deeper steps of faith as we progressively become more like Jesus in this life. And that's one of the things the Apostle Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Last week we looked at verses 1 through 7. Today we're going to look at verses 8 through 9. But I want to read the entire passage because you have to understand what's going on before we dive into 8 through 9. Uh, Verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us, 
Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in your love, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. What a beautiful text from the scripture of what it truly means to understand the grace of God, which results in generous giving. And what we see the Apostle Paul calling the church here is to excel in giving. Now that word excel can be translated as overflow. That's where the idea of this series comes from, to overflow into giving. And the first way we see that is that we are called to excel in giving because in selling in giving displays God's grace. Truly, abundance and overflow of giving displays God's grace to others. Look at verse 7. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in your love, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So the Apostle Paul has been talking to the church in Corinthians, who is a set of new believers. They're new converted in Christ. And uh, what he's doing, he's coming to them because he's trying to get an offering for the relief of the saints in Jerusalem. And the Apostle Paul would do this, and he has just gone to Macedonia. Uh, He went there, and he received an offering from the Macedonians he did not expect because they were poor. They were dirt poor. And they gave out of their abundance. Now, when we hear that, how can somebody be so poor yet have so much? Well, what they had was the joy of Christ that bubbled up within them that they wanted to give so much that they begged the apostle Paul to let them take part in this favor of relieving the saints. Truly, they understood the church as family and they understood what finances can do for those around us as we give them to the relief of the saints. And so the Apostle Paul uses the example of the Macedonian church to say, look it, this is the type of joy that you can experience through sacrificially giving to the relief of the saints. And what he's doing is challenging the church at Corinth through Titus, who is one of, uh, one of his, his disciples, one of those who he, he trains, one of those who is going out for his churches. And he is challenging them to take part in this act of grace Also, as they excel in everything. Now, the way that he does this is really pastoral, and I think he does an awesome job at it. He comes very encouraging. He says, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. He looks at their life. He says, listen, these are great areas that you are excelling in. Your faith is growing and it is beautiful. Your speech has changed a lot. Your knowledge of Christ is growing. And I want to encourage you in that. I want you to know that you are doing awesome and God's doing great things through you. And then at the same time, he says, but I want to continue to lead you along. I want to pastor you. I want you to know more what it is to follow Jesus. And he says, giving is a huge part of following Christ. 
Giving is a huge part of, of understanding the grace of Jesus. And he says, in our love for you, he's like, because I love you, because I want you to know Jesus more, because I want you to experience the joy of Jesus in your life, then truly I want you to know that you can excel in this act of grace also. You see, excelling in giving displays the grace of God. And truly, it bubbles over into a joy that is not circumstantial. It's not based on anything that's happening in our lives. It's based upon Christ within us and the joy that he gives us. It's a beautiful opportunity to be able to give to others and truly to live out what Christ has done for us. So if we look at this, as we look at what Paul's teaching the Corinthian church, whether you got saved last week or whether you got saved 50 years ago, this has something for you today. Because I want you to understand giving as a beautiful overflow of what Christ has done and the joy that he has within us. You know, God's grace is always meant to transform us and to move us from a place of inward transformation to outward change within our lives. When we truly understand the gospel of Jesus and the teachings of the Bible, it results in change in our lives. You know, I was thinking about it this week, and I, I was thinking about if, if we obeyed God in the same way, no, if in our lives, our children and those who were working with us, if you're a boss or, or if you're an employee who has a boss over you, if, if we obeyed our bosses and our children obeyed us in the same way that we sometimes obey God, right? So can you imagine coming to your kid and be like, hey, I want you to go upstairs and clean your room. They say, all right, dad, you want me to clean my room? Yes. Will you please do that? And say, so, do you understand what I said? Yes. Do you know why I want you to clean your room? Well, because it's a place of peace and it's a place uh, where I can go later and, and it just makes the house look nicer. Yes. Great. You got it. All right. Now go do it. Or, or if you're a boss and you go to somebody and you say, hey, I need you to pull up that Excel sheet for the meeting that I have next week. It's really important. We need to see the finances for the last year. Uh, and we need to really show them so that they can know so our company can grow and, and we can get the help that we need. Okay, do you understand? Okay, now can you go do that? Yes, I will. Awesome. So you come back in either scenario and what you said is not done. And you ask, did you not understand what I asked you to do? Oh yeah, I got it. You wanted me to obey and clean my room or you wanted me to present an Excel sheet for you. Okay, did you understand why? Well, yeah, because it's going to make my room a lot cleaner and it's gonna be a place of peace or it's gonna help our business. Okay, why didn't you do it? I think sometimes we can just read the Bible and we can say, these are great truths. We can even memorize those truths. Those truths can go with us in our life. Some of us even know how to read them in different languages. Some of us even know the original Greek or the original Hebrew. But the reality is, is that as God changes our lives, as we see true faith in our lives, it's going to result in transformation and action. We can understand that giving is a great thing for our lives. We can understand that this is a beautiful picture to talk about giving. I truly love this picture of talking about giving because it's giving based in the grace experience of Christ in our lives. But if we don't then leave here and say, how can I help contribute to the relief of the saints throughout the world? If we don't leave here and look around our church and say, who's hurting right now? Who's struggling financially? They're not gonna come up here on stage and tell you. They're not gonna come to me as a pastor and tell me. They're gonna be in your life group and you're gonna see things within their life 
life. And it might be in a prayer request or it might be something that you just know. And then you take that step of faith and you take that step of grace and you give to the relief of the saints. That's beautiful. It's so beautiful to see the church of God move in people's hurting situations and to see the church of God move in relief throughout the world. We're called to live out our faith in Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul, he's encouraging them in this. Jesus has an illustration that I find absolutely hilarious within Scripture. He tells a parable of two sons in Matthew 21, 28 through 31. He says, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind, and he went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And the son answered, I go, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did the will of his father? The disciples responded, the first. I mean, that if you've ever had kids before, you've had those type of illustrations. You have the compliant kid who's like, yes, I'll do that. And then they just forget and they don't go do it. Or the stubborn kid who, who ends up being a world changer. Uh, they, they, you go to them and you say, hey, I need you to do that. Be like, I'm not doing that, which is very disrespectful. And they shouldn't respond that way. But they end up going and doing it. They were the ones who actually did the will of the Father. The reality is, is that we are called to live out our faith and truly see things change in our lives. We can come together every single week, yet if things are not changing, then we need to go back and learn it once again. The hope is that our lives are transformed, that truly we are different from when we walked in here and that this word changes and shapes us and makes us different people than the world around us and than who we were last year. The great reformer Martin Luther says this, there are three conversions that are necessary. The conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse. Now, what he means within that, that doesn't mean those are all necessary for salvation. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that these are things that happen within our lives as we become more like Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, uh, he says this, with some Christians, the last part of their nature that ever gets sanctified is their pockets. Truly giving, and when it affects us financially or with our schedules or, or with our giftings, that's challenging us. We can affirm the truths of Christianity. We can learn the creeds. We can know the doctrines. Yet those are practical, boots-on-the-ground ways that we can live out our faith. And so as we look at this, we have to understand that excelling in giving displays God's grace in our lives. The second way we see excelling in giving is that excelling in giving displays genuine love for others. Look at verse 8. I say this not as a command but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. You see, if we look at 1 John, we see two things that followers of Jesus Christ love. They love God and they love God's people. They love God and they love God's church. And what you're seeing here is you're seeing it played out that, that those who are in Jesus are so filled with the joy of God that they have genuine love for their brothers and sisters that they look to help relieve the hurting. And we talked about last week, if you have a brother or sister in your life and you may not even like them to the fullest extent, or you may, maybe that one who is super close to you, you're gonna do anything that you can within your power and sometimes outside your power to help them out. 
Truly, the body of Christ is a family. That's why we use brother and sister language. And when one part is hurting, the whole body is hurting. And so to be able to come alongside those who, 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 are, who, are, who are not financially stable at the moment or who are, who are being persecuted across the world and praying for them, I encouraged you last week, and uh, I've been trying to do it as well, that every time you drink coffee to pray for those who are persecuted throughout the world, being reminded that we have the beautiful freedom to be able to read the word and to drink a hot cup of coffee or tea or whatever it is, but there are many who do not have that freedom. And also this week, I want to encourage us to start thinking about the local body, How can we contribute to the needs of the saints within the local body? In order to know if someone needs something physically, you need to know them. People who truly need things are often those who are the last to ask for things. Some of the most generous people I know are those who are in poverty because they are those that know what it is to have nothing and they want others to be blessed. So in order to truly know how we can love and excel in giving and bless and relieve for the saints their suffering, we have to know each other. You have to get into each other's lives. That's one of the reasons why we do life groups. Life groups, we gather together in homes. We hang out with each other. We eat food. We talk about life. We talk about the word of God and the sermon. And we pray with one another so that we know each other's lives and that we can continue to encourage and support one another, not just by praying, but when you see needs within your life group to come around and to be able to love on that person in a very tangible way way. And I affirm those of you who truly do this, praise God for how you're working and you're giving to the needs of the saints and you're loving others. It truly is a beautiful blessing and a gift of grace from God. See, Paul wants them to get that he is not commanding them from Christ while we are called to give. We are called to bring the tithes into the storehouse. We are called uh, to, to excel in giving. We are, called, uh, we are called to give generously that those who reap spar- uh, sow sparingly will also reap sparingly. Those who, who sow generously will also reap generously. As we talk about the church and, uh, and tithing and those different pieces, we are called to that. Yet what Paul's talking about here is giving to the relief of the saints. And he's saying, listen, this is a beautiful act of grace that you can live to others and truly live out your faith within it. You know, as we think about any relationship within our lives, whether it's a a spouse relationship or a parent-child relationship or a friendship, you think about it and and they don't just talk about spending time together. If you want to grow in relationship, you have to actually spend time together. You have to actually invest with into one another. In order to show love, you have to truly walk out in action. You know, if there was a couple uh, that came to me and they were, they were struggling, and, uh, uh, and this is just an illustration. If there was a couple that came to me and they were struggling and we were just having a conversation, and uh, I asked them, well, what's wrong? And the wife says, well, I, I don't feel loved by him. And he stands up. He says, listen, I do love you. I told you on our wedding day I love you. And if it changes, well, then I'll let you know. (laughs) Or maybe he's even affirmed by saying I love you. Maybe he said the words to her. But then when we dive in a little bit deeper, we find out that he's very disconnected from the family. 
Uh, instead, of, instead of going into his home after work and helping out with the kids and, and serving his wife and truly showing her that he loves her, he comes home, he disconnects, he turns on ESPN. Uh, he, he doesn't end up spending any time with the family. He goes out on the weekends and golfs. He invests his time outside of the home and truly he doesn't do anything for his wife. They don't have date nights. They don't have anything scheduled. There's no investment into that relationship. Well, one of the first things that we need to talk about is to talk about how we can show love for one another by action. Love is an attitude, but love is also an action. And what we're seeing here is giving is this love acted out, loving the brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Truly, what we do with our money shows where our heart is. This is what Jesus says in Luke 12, 34. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus directly connects our heart and our money because what we do with our money shows our heart and what we love. You've probably heard it said before, you can tell what a person's priorities are by looking at their calendar or their bank statement. We have a couple of things that we can invest in this life. Money is something that we can invest. It's something we can spend. We can also spend time. Time's another thing that we can spend. And then we also can spend our giftings, our abilities. Three things you can spend in your life. Well, when we think about our money, we look to get the greatest possible investment back for our money. I mean, if we think about our world, stocks and bonds and buying into stock markets and investing into Dodgecoin or Bitcoin. Oh, I missed that one, right? Whoever thought Bitcoin would blow up like it does, right? And we start to think, how can, I, how can I diversify my investments? How can I build up my portfolio? How can I do all these different things? And there's nothing wrong with wise investment with your money. It's a good thing. But as we look at our money, the greatest investment that we can make is in the kingdom of God. The greatest investment that we can make is into giving to the relief of the saints and helping the gospel go forth throughout the world. Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He actually says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Make an investment in the kingdom and store up for yourselves treasures that are in heaven. Because moth and rust don't destroy those. And thieves, they don't break in and seal those. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart. It's the very core of who you are. It's your attitude, your wills, your actions, your desires. It's everything that you are. Where your treasure is, what you find value in, is where your entire life will go. It's how you will spend your time. It's how you will spend your talent. It's how you will spend your treasures. The three things that we can invest in and we can spend in this life. Money, time, and abilities. We're called to give all of them to Christ. We're called to give our heart to Christ. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We are surrendering. That comes to every single area of our lives. It doesn't just come to where we spend Sunday morning. It comes and transforms everything in our lives. Because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. 
And finally, the greatest reason for excelling in giving is that it displays the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Look at verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by that you, by his poverty, might become rich. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Christ, who has all authority in heaven and on earth, Christ, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, Christ, who is in control of all things, who is the exact nature and imprint and radiance of the glory of God. He became poor. He became flesh and dwelt among us so that we would be made rich. Rich in Christ. Rich in eternity. That this world would not be all there is but this world would just be a small portion of a glorious eternity that we have. It truly displays the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we look at Philippians 2, 5 through 8, the Apostle Paul gives an incredible example of this. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the very form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul highlights the incredible lengths to what Christ has done in order that we might be saved. That he who was in the very form of God, he didn't count the fact that he was God himself, something to be grasped and held onto, but he instead humbled himself and made himself nothing, becoming obedient to the point of death. And not only to the point of death, even death on a torture device. The cross, that's love. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down their life for a friend. 2 Corinthians 5.21 reads this, For our sake, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin. Why? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that incredible? That you, who missed the mark of God's holy standard, who was an enemy of God, who sought only the things of our flesh, who turned our backs on God, who is in treason with God, and who deserves to be in eternity in hell, because of who we were and because of what we did, <laughs> we're made the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God? We get to be the righteousness of God. 
Grasp that. Grasp who you are in Jesus. Grasp how he has changed your life. Understand that God made Jesus to actually become sin for us on the cross. He took our sin upon himself. He took the punishment of our sin upon himself, yet he didn't know sin. He didn't deserve it. And it was only through his perfect life that that truly could pay for the sin which we have committed because he was innocent. And through that, we actually become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. He says, and you know this. If you are a Christian today, you know this truth of the gospel. If you are a Christian today, you know what God has done for you. And may we remind ourselves once again how beautiful, how marvelous, how wonderful the love of our Savior is for us. Because it is in that understanding and that joy and that thankfulness that we will overflow into generosity. We'll want to tell others about Jesus because we know what God has done within us. We'll want to help out the brothers and sisters in Christ because we will love them as our brothers and sisters. We'll want to love others because Christ first loved us. When we truly grasp what we were saved from, and what we are saved to, it causes transformation in our lives. The gospel is something we live out every single day, and it is something that continues to transform our lives every single day. Remembering just how great God is. So how does this apply in our lives? Well, simply it's living out that act of grace and understanding of the thanksgiving that Christ has done within us. And it's just taking that first step. There may be those of you here today who have been giving faithfully and, and praise God for you and, and may God richly bless you. Maybe he's calling you to take a deeper step of faith in your giving today. Maybe God is calling you to just understand his grace so much so that even though you're giving, uh, that that's something you continue to do, but that you understand in a deeper way just the grace and the beauty, and it just changes the attitude of how you give. Because truly, what, what Paul's getting at here is the heart. He really wants to see the heart changed to look at the opportunity to give to the relief of the saints and to bless others and to spread the gospel as this beautiful favor that God has bestowed on us. To get the opportunity to do it and to truly live out what Christ has done within us. So I would say, go home. Go before the Lord and say, God, all I have is yours. That's the first step. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the first thing you're asked to give is your entire life. You're actually asked to die to yourself. The beautiful thing is, is that you get a new life in Jesus and you get a new eternity with God. So if you don't know Jesus today, please don't miss out on the joy and the love that can be experienced in God.
If you do know Christ, go before your Father who loves you deeply. Go before your Father and say, God, how do you want us to respond to your word? And then just respond how God calls you to. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.